Olympian, standing under the greenish fluorescent wall lamp, staring into his bathroom mirror. An old man looking into older glass. The edges were blackened with age, a corruption creeping ever closer to the center, to his reflection, to him. You will die soon. The silver-backed looking glass showed him that much. Many times he had been close to death or worse, but this was different. In his image he saw this inevitability, and still, somehow, Satrakian found comfort in the truth of the old mirrors. They were honest and pure. This one was a magnificent piece, turn of the century, quite heavy, strung from the wall by corded wire, hanging off the old tile at a downward angle. There were, hung from walls and standing on the floors and leaning against bookshelves, some eighty silverback mirrors arranged throughout his living quarters. He collected them compulsively. As people who have walked through a desert know the value of water, so Satrakian found it impossible to pass up the acquisition of a silver looking-glass, especially a smaller, portable one. But more than that, he relied upon their most ancient quality. Contrary to popular myth, vampires certainly do have reflections. In mass-produced modern mirrors, they appear no different than they do to the eye. But in silver-backed glass, their reflections are distorted. Some physical property of the silver projects these virus-laden atrocities with visual interference, like a warning. Much like the looking-glass in the Snow White story, a silver-backed mirror cannot tell a lie. And so Satrakian looked at his face in the mirror. Between the thick porcelain sink and the counter that held his powders and salves, the rubs for his arthritis, the heated liniment to soothe the pain in his gnarled joints, and studied it. Here he confronted his fading strength, the acknowledgment that his body was just that, a body, aged and weakening, decaying, to the point where he was unsure if he would survive the corporeal trauma of a turning. Not all victims do survive it. His face, its deep lines like a fingerprint, the thumb of time stamped firmly onto his visage. He had aged twenty additional years overnight. His eyes appeared small and dry, yellowed like ivory. His pallor was off, and his hair lay against his scalp like fine silver grass matted down by a recent storm. Pick, pick. Pick. He heard death calling. He heard the cane. His heart. He looked at his twisted hands, molded by sheer will to fit and hold the handle of that silver cane sword, but able to do little else with any dexterity. The battle with the master had weakened him greatly. The master was stronger even than Zatrakian had remembered or presumed. He had yet to process his theories spawned by the master's survival in direct sunlight, sunlight that weakened and marked him, but did not obliterate him. The virus-smashing ultraviolet ray should have cut through him like the power of ten thousand silver swords, and yet the terrible creature had withstood it and escaped. What is life, in the end, but a series of small victories and larger failures? But what else was there to do? Give up? Zatrakian never gave up.
Second-guessing was all he had at the moment. If only he had done this instead of that. If he could have somehow dynamited the building once he knew that the master was inside. If F had allowed him to expire, rather than saving him at that last critical moment. His heart was racing again, just thinking of lost opportunities, fluttering and skipping beats, lurching, like an impatient child inside him, wanting to run and run. Pick, pick, pick. A low hum purred above the heartbeat. Zatrakian knew it well. This was the prelude to oblivion, to waking up inside an emergency room, if there were any still operating. With a stiff finger, he fished a white pill out of his box. Nitroglycerin prevented angina by relaxing the vessels carrying blood to his heart, allowing them to dilate, increasing flow and oxygen supply. A sub-